This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. I expect the Jets will see Monday night and a lot during this year. They're going to see a lot of no huddle. They're going to see a lot of where teams are going to try to keep them to keep guys from making the adjustments and coming in and out. And I think Josh Allen is going to try to do that to you know, as, as, well as, as well as run the ball, do some things of that nature to try to keep that Jet front off balance. Yeah, look, the Jets, we talk about all these different things. The Jets have to win this game. This is a must-win game. They have to win the division. They have to do this. They have to prove all these things the Jets have to prove. Yeah. The Bills have just as many things to prove. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Opening night of the NFL season, Kansas City holding on to that 14-7 lead, but we're going to take a timeout from football for a moment, Gordon. Talk a little baseball. Some things have happened with the Mets over the past couple of days, and we wanted to see if we can get some further analysis on that. And for that, we welcome in Pat Ragazzo. Does a great job of covering the Mets for SI.com. Pat, Larry Hardestein, Gordon Damer, how are you this Thursday night? I'm great, guys. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. We're doing great, Pat. Uh, first of all, Pat, this David Stern situation is something that has amused uh, a lot of us. Uh, there's more and more conversation of it over the past couple of days. Ken Rosenthal's written some things about it. A number of people have written some other things about it. Where are we? How soon is this going to become a reality in your mind? Well, yeah, of course. And, and as you mentioned, the reports that have surfaced the last couple of days, um, in David Stern's contract, he was allowed to start talking with teams after the trade deadline on August 1st, and he has since had discussions with Steve Cohen. Um, the Athletic reported that they're down the road in talks right now, and um, Andy Martino of SNY reported yesterday that uh, there's some building momentum there that uh, Stearns will become the next president of, um, you know, president of baseball operations for the Mets. So, um, yeah, I think that. And I've said this before, and I said this back when, you know, there was a lot of momentum building for the Mets to hire Buck Showalter a couple off seasons ago. And, and like I said back then, I said, when, the, when there's smoke, there's fire. And, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of smoke here with David Stearns and the Mets. And uh, this is something that probably could get done, uh, you know, as early as in the beginning of the offseason. And um, it, it's starting to look like a, a really realistic possibility here. How transformative do you think that that hiring will be? I mean, obviously, Buck Showalter is under contract for next year. Billy Epler's under contract, I believe, for next year, too. The fact that if, if and when David Stearns does come aboard, how many other changes do you think that we could see as a result of that hiring? Well, the Mets already started making some changes. They fired a number of people in their front office department, their player development side, um, pretty much clearing you know a path for the next president of baseball operations to come in and bring in his own front office people, which was going to happen anyway. So uh, they just were kind of expediting the inevitable there. Um, you know, but as far as, you know, other changes in the organization, um, Billy Epler and David Stearns have a very close relationship. And uh, the, the word is right now uh, that they're going to be working together. If Stearns comes in, Billy's going to remain as the general manager and Stearns is going to be above him as president of baseball operations. And, um, you know, when you look at the managerial seat, um, Buck does have one more year on his deal, but um, Craig Council, uh, his contract is up with the Brewers, and obviously there's familiarity there between him and Cerns. And uh, Craig Council is one of the best managers in the game, you know, led the Brewers to four straight postseason appearances from 2018 to 2021. They missed the playoffs by one game last year, and they're, you know, they're leading the NL Central this year. So, um, 
you know, that'd be a very, very intriguing hire, a very, obviously very interesting candidate there. Um, you know, Buck did great with the Mets in his first year, but it really did not go well for him this year. Um, Steve Cohen has come out and said that he doesn't blame Buck for this season, but, you know, he puts it on the players, which is, you know, true in a lot of ways. But, um, you know, th- there could be, if Stearns comes in, there could be a change, you know, potentially a general manager. And, uh, and he is definitely going to bring his own people in the, in the front office. We're going to see a lot of new, uh, new faces there. Pat, does it surprise you in a way that Billy Epler would stay? I mean, I understand that he would be just following the orders of what David Stearns would be telling him to do. But, I mean, you know, he hasn't exactly had a stellar general managership while he's been here. Some of the moves that he's made have not exactly panned out. Uh, If indeed they make a change with Buck, hypothetically, should they also not consider making a change with Billy Epler as well? Well, I think from my understanding is um, from the day Billy was hired, uh, him and Steve Cohen have been on the same page that Steve has been trying to bring in a president of baseball operations. So uh, Billy's been the main decision maker for the past two seasons, uh, you know, as general manager with, without having a president of baseball operations above him. Uh, but the goal always was to bring someone in above him who was, who was going to have that power and, uh, you know, have final say in the baseball department. So, um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Billy was, was hired, um, you know, he's, he's been two years on the job at the Mets and, uh, you know, he's made a significant amount of moves and, um, you know, they entrusted him at the trade deadline to trade a lot of the veterans away and retool the farm system, get some prospects in there. So, um, I, I think Steve Collins going to, you know, continue to let him see it through and, and see, uh, you know, how these, some of these moves pan out. Cause you know, we're gonna have to wait a little while to see how some of these prospects pan out, um, but, yeah, I think, uh, you know, from day one, like I said, um, you know, the plan was always to not have Billy be the main decision maker. Uh, you know, he's not the president of baseball operations. He's the general manager. And the, the plan was always to bring in a president of baseball operations, which, you know, probably is soon going to happen. Stearns, obviously, Pat, we're talking with Pat Rangazzo here, who covers the Mets for SI. Um, Stearns has had good success in Milwaukee, as you said, about the four trips in a row to the postseason and all that type of stuff. For those of us who have not watched the Brewers, does he have like a blueprint of things that is like the David Stearns kind of way? Because it's a very different uh, mindset, I would think, being the general manager in Milwaukee as opposed to now moving ahead as the baseball operations head of the team that spends the most money. Is there Are there common threads of David Stearns teams that maybe we can look to maybe transfer from watching his time with Milwaukee that will now transfer to the Mets? Well, yeah, in, in Milwaukee, obviously, you know, it's not New York and it's not the Mets, and the, the Brewers don't have the same payroll as the Mets do. They're not, you know, spending like that big market team. And, um, you know, Stearns was able to put together teams, you know, through the draft, you know, developing prospects, uh, you know, lesser signings, you know, maybe finding a diamond in a rough here and there, um, you know, inexpensive, some inexpensive signings or trades. Um, I think that it'll definitely come in handy with the Mets. It's something that, that any you know good or contending team could use. Um, but now he's going to have that payroll and be able to spend a little bit. And I think um, you know it's just going to be a little bit of the best of both worlds. Uh, you know, for Stearns coming to the Mets, having that payroll, and then also having the ability to uh, you know draft and sign and, and develop players. But he is a very heavily like analytically driven guy, right? Yeah, he is. He is an analytics guy, and uh, you know that's the direction the Mets have been going the last few years, especially since Steve Cohen took over at the helm. Um, you know, the, the Mets, you know, are a team that uh, you know they have one of the biggest analytics departments in baseball, if if not the biggest. And um, yeah, I think uh, that's probably when we're talking about changes too in the organization. That's probably uh, where you're going to see some changes as well. Is 
in the analytics department that Stearns is probably going to bring in some of his own guys there, you know, since he is, you know, a guy who's been known for analytics throughout his career. Does how will the identity of the team change personnel wise? Will there be some moves that we can look at where they're going to move away maybe from some of the way they've, they've, they've tried to operate over the past couple of years thinking, we, you know, we're right there. Let's, let's bring in the Starling Marte. Let's bring in the veteran veterans like that. Are they going to move more towards the youth aside from, you know, bringing up the minor league kids with some of these free agents and things that they have to do? Are they going to try to go a little bit younger, Pat? I think that's the way they're, they're headed. And, and you could see that from, you know, from the trades that they just made, um, you know, at the deadline. Um, I, I think the Mets are moving a little bit younger and, and the organizational plan now is to, you know, kind of look at 2024 as a year they want to compete, but also a little bit of a transitional year looking at 2025, 2026 is, you know, the years they want to contend that they realistically think they could contend with some of this, you know, talent coming through the system. Um, but I do think they're going to still make some signings here and there, bringing some talent, uh, you know, spend money. Like they, they said, they're not going to spend like they spent the last two off seasons, but they're still going to spend money and they're still, they have holes to fill in the rotation, uh, you know, holes to fill in the lineup. And, um, you know, I think if they bring in some veterans, it's, they're going to continue to sign them to, you know, the short term two or three year deals like they did, like they have in the last couple of years. So um, yeah, I think we'll see a little bit of a mix of both and um, uh, definitely probably leaning more towards the younger side, you know, given, uh, you know, given the prospects that they have now. Where does that leave Pete Alonzo? Well, Pete Alonzo, obviously, um, you know, we've heard a lot of reports. Uh, you know, the Brewers were talking to the Mets about trading for him. The Cubs were interested. Um, but the Mets have kind of diffused the whole, um, the whole situation of the, of the trade rumors and everything. And, you know, by, kind of by saying that, um, you know, they expect Pete Alonzo to be on the team next year. Um, you know, if there was a time to trade him, it would be this winter, this offseason. That's when, you know, his, his value will be the highest and they'll, they'll get the most in return. But, um, you know, the expectation is that he's going to be back for next year. And then um, they, they want to negotiate with him when he hits free agency. It doesn't sound like they're going to reach an extension with him in the offseason. It sounds like they're waiting. They're going to wait till free agency and, you know, try and make a run at resigning him like they did with, uh, you know, Brandon Nemo and Edwin Diaz. Pat, do we have any idea of what he's what he's looking for? Is he looking for seven years, eight years, ten years? Do we have any idea what what he's thinking about? What his negotiation is going to be like? It's probably going to be within like the seven to ten year range. I mean, he's he's going to be twenty nine years old, um, but you know we've seen these these deals you know around the league where the where the players you know we just saw it with Judge get a nine year deal when he's thirty one years old. You know, Alonzo's a little younger than that, but um, you know he's going to want a long term deal and. Uh, he's going to want to be the high paid first baseman in, in baseball. So that's going to exceed Paul Goldschmidt's contract and Paul Goldschmidt's a, obviously a heck of a player and an MVP. And, um, uh, you know, obviously Alonzo's going to command that, you know, that type of money and, um, probably, uh, most likely in the 27 million a year range is, is what he's going to be asking for. We talk about Pete Alonzo clearly, but, uh, there's another big free agent this year that the Mets have been mentioned in, in the past. I don't know how interested they will still be with the, the, the changes they'll make. How do you see that their approach this off season with Shohei Otani? Well, I expect them to talk to Shohei Otani and his representatives and, uh, you know, be interested at least, but, um, you know, that's a tough one because you know, all we've heard is Otani wants to stay on the West coast and, um, you know, I've been saying this for a while now. I think the Dodgers are the favorites to, to sign Otani. I think, um, you know, they haven't spent the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, it's L.A. And, um, you know, they have the money, obviously. And um, I think that uh, I think the Dodgers are probably going to be, you know, not only the favorites, but the most aggressive team, 
you know, going after him. Um, but I do expect the Mets to be involved, but I, I don't expect them to land him just because, you know, kind of the comments that have been made, you know, by Steve Cohen and Billy Epler, like that they're not going to be spending like trucks and sailors. And, you know, if they were to sign Otani, he'd get a contract in the $500 million range. And, um, you know, I, I, just, I just don't see it right now, uh, you know, as a realistic possibility for the Mets, but I do expect them to be involved. Pat, what has uh, how has the organization responded to the to the young players who have come up? I mean, Mauricio looks really good, and especially playing second base. I mean, if I were uh, Jeff McNeil, I might I might be a little concerned, Pat. <laughs> yeah, Mauricio's gotten off to a really good start with the bat, and you know he had a he had a great year in Triple A, twenty three home runs, seventy one RBIs, batted two ninety two, OPS above eight hundred, and um, you know he he probably. Uh, you know, deserved the call up earlier in the season, but uh, you know he's up now with the September call ups and uh, off to a hot start. And uh, second base is probably the most realistic position for him. So um, you know, if he's playing second base, then then McNeil's going to be moved to left field full time. And um, you know, that's a position McNeil's proven that he's been able to play in the past. And uh, you know, he's he's solid out there as an outfielder, very versatile, obviously. Um, but yeah, I I think Mauricio um, Mauricio's a reason you know providing some hope right now for the Mets that, that they do have, you know, some of these young guys coming up who can contribute, you know, whether it's Francisco Alvarez, Brett Beatty, or, or now Mauricio. Um, but yes, uh, second base is probably, probably the spot for Mauricio. And, and that would mean McNeil would be pushed to left. Last one, Pat, and we thank you for giving us a couple of minutes. Obviously I would think going into the season right now, Kodai, next season, Kodai Singer will be the right now would be the ace of the staff. Are there any pitchers in the minors who are ready to take that step to come up to the majors to kind of, you know, fill out the staff. Obviously, Quintana's still under contract, so I guess he would be number two. But how does that? Uh, what, what's down in the minor leagues for starting pitching, and also to lengthen to give some depth to the bullpen? Well, this has been a really good year, uh, at least for you know starting pitching in the Mets system. Um, you know, they have guys like Mike Vassell, uh, Tyler Stewart, uh, Dominic Hamill. Uh, Blade Tidwell, those are all guys who, uh, you know, who are coming up and, uh, you know, rising through the ranks pretty fast. Um, Tidwell might not be ready next year. Uh, he's pitching in double-A Binghamton right now. I mean, he's getting close, but, um, you know, some of the other guys who are closer, obviously, are like Bathel, who's in triple-A. Uh, Tyler Stewart has had a great year in the minors. Um, yeah, these are some of the guys, you know, who you, you could see maybe not at the beginning of the season next year, uh, but, you know, at some point, you know, making their debuts and, uh, you know, contributing at the big league level. So, um, yeah, it, it's um, – you know, it's, it's, it's a lot less hopeless than we hear because we always hear that the Mets are thin, uh, you know, in pitching in the minor leagues. But they actually do have quite a few starters who, uh, who are going to be ready to contribute pretty soon. Um, as far as bullpen, though, there's, there's not really anybody who stands out right now. Um, that's, that's one area that, um, you know, they, they really haven't developed too many relievers, uh, you know, over the years. Drew Smith's really the only name that comes to mind who they developed it from their system and, uh, you know, come up and, and claim the spot in the bullpen. Um, so, so really with – with the bullpen, they're, they're going to have to make some signings there in the offseason and, and fill some holes there because they really don't have anybody uh, you know, who they can really count on coming through the, the minors right now. Pat, great information as always. Thanks for a couple of minutes. We'll talk down the line. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Pat. All right, that's Pat Ragazzo giving us his thoughts on what's going on with the Mets. I'll say this, Gordon. It, it is just, as a Met fan, it is so funny to hear that they are – not as deep pitching wise as you as normal because the Met, the Met minor league system's been known for pitching. That, that's, yes, that's 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 been absolutely. their identity. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been like, boy, wish we'd get some everyday players, <laughs> you know. So now it's like they turned the other way. So it, it's it's not hopeless, Gordon. But you know, listen, we'll wait and see. But here's the bottom line.
they're still gonna have to spend some money to fill out the rotation, and and what are they gonna do in right field, Gordon? I mean, if, if Marte, I, I expect that he'll have a similar season with the injuries if he's talking about having another surgery. Yeah, with David Stearns walking in the door, you immediately think, okay, that's the guy that they've been waiting for, and he's going to start to transform the organization. But he's got some pieces here that, almost like the Yankees, he might kind of be stuck with. Is mm-hmm. is anybody lining up for the final two years of Starling Marte at $20 million? Nope. Probably not. Uh, if they want to move Jeff McNeil because he doesn't really profile as a as a left fielder in terms of what his numbers are, um, is, is that somebody? He, what does he still have four years left on his deal? So that's that's another tough one. Now they do have Steve Cohen, mm-hmm. and he might be willing, as he's shown in the past, he might be willing to eat that money. Yeah. But it, it it does. He I think it's when you get a new head of baseball operations, you think, okay, let the changes begin, especially after a year like this. I don't know that they're going to be as many as, as, as fans want. No. And they're going to rely a lot on the fact that Edwin Diaz is coming back. So they'll figure that they may have to just do a tinker the bullpen a little bit uh, because they're figuring, look, we got the back end coming back. The real interesting thing, I think, about what he said, Gordon, was despite the fact that Showalter's got a year left, Craig Council's up, and uh, I would not be surprised, Gordon, if, Craig Council heads towards the Big Apple with, if you know, Stearns is familiar with him, and so is Appler. Part of what he can do is he can put the people that he trusts in place, and if that's one of the people that he trusts, that's the way you got to go. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon Harvey giving me an idea of what my season's going to look like next year, the tone of this music. Yeah, it was a little somber, <laughs> I thought. <laughs> I'm done. He, he probably understands what I feel like when I hear Jeff McNeil in left field. <laughs> I thought that that was Carlos Rodon's entrance music. There. <laughs> or his exit music. <laughs> <laughs> Those two come together very quickly. <laughs> they do. They really do. It's, 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 uh, it's unbelievable. Wow, what a disastrous season it has oh, been for him. It has been. Terrible. He's got to be. He's not this bad, Gordon. He's got to be better. Well, I was bad. worried with the signing of the injuries because he he's got a pretty big track record. I didn't think he was going to stink though, and he has stunk. Yeah. Let's be honest. He, he has. has been terrible. What a terrible sign! Of all the bad signings, there were a lot of bad signings this past off season. Yeah, that might be the worst one. And now, it's not the longest six, one, but six year deal. I think it's six years. Oh yeah. my god. And and he's. He's so frustrated when it when he when he looks bad. <laughs> He's so frustrated. Six He's years, one hundred sixty-two million dollars. Oh. Could have got Freddie Freeman for the same deal. Not obviously this past off season, but a, yeah, a couple of years ago, but still. Well, I'm telling you. Meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes is just running up and down the field. I, I could. I, I had eighteen and a half, Larry. I was I was just oh. about to hit the button. Gordon. You always follow your first mind. You know that. I love the I love the under tonight, and I loved Mahomes' rushing total. I bet neither, and uh, both are looking pretty good right now. Well, at least you still have your money. You didn't lose it. I did not lose it. I will lose. I'm sure the next thing I bet on, though, I will lose. <laughs> if I had bet, these things would not be happening. I'm convinced Promo the co- world revolves around me, Larry. Promo code Gordon, of course. Yes, of course. Um, you know, a little later. Champion. A little later, we'll go over some of the uh, lines, Gordon, and just get your thoughts on what you think 
you know, we'll, we'll, we'll chit chat about uh, this mm-hmm. this week coming up. Okay. In the National Football League, we'll do that a little bit later in the show. Right now, I, I also yeah. have uh, a little uh, family feud question for you. Do you really? Football related, yeah. A little family feud. We'll play a little family feud later on. Wow. And the guy and, and Harvey and Joe, maybe they can get in on the act as well. We'll see. Okay. We'll start out with you. If you keep getting the right answer, you keep uh-huh. it. If you get a wrong answer, maybe maybe we'll let. Harvey and Joe get a shot. Yeah, we'll absolutely. See. We're a team. We can do yeah. that. We can hang in with them. And, and the good thing is if they get a shot, chances are you're going to get it right back. <laughs> <laughs> right back. <laughs> Jose's in Brooklyn. Jose's next on 98.7. What's up, Jose? Hey, good evening, Larry. GD, shout out to the company. And just calling in to check in with you guys. And you know what? I'm watching this game, and it's pretty interesting. And um, but I was after also at the Margaritaville uh, with Bart, after Barton Hahn and they were totally fantastic and they they pretty much um, showed out and we were we were there, we were there with a with a, with, with a few people so we definitely showed out for the station nice. and we had a good time. Now, did Bart um, have any uh, hurricanes or anything like that? <laughs> you know, Bart. I gotta say, you know, for a guy that you know who. For prof- you know how certain professional athletes can sometimes, you know, let themselves go, and I totally no, don't blame Bart. them because – but Bart is just totally a beast, man. That guy, like, even the stuff he was eating, he would consider it fattening food. For us, it's like that that's real healthy. What are you talking about? So it was just like – so he, he, um, he he's just something else. But I uh, wanted to definitely go in there and talk about this game because there's a couple of things that I'm just seeing here that just really pop out. One, like, even though I know Mahomes uh, made the pick six, like, you know, the, the plays that he makes uh, on a game-by-game situation and how he just, you know, affects the game. Without his short valve, Kelsey, he is still somehow – able to scramble and really affect the game in this way and, you know, have the Chiefs in this type of scenario. It, it, it is kind of amazing. And, you know, uh, me as the long-suffering Jet fan, I always wondered why we went for Jamal Adams, but it is what it is. Um, and also, Pacheco, to me, wow, that guy really cut down a lot because he is a lot faster and he's catching the ball out the backfield. Looks like I'm going to have to drop McKinnon from my fantasy team because that was a huge mistake for me. And also Aiden Hutchinson. This kid's motor is unlike anything else. I can see why the draft experts didn't even think it was close between him and Thibodeau because Thibodeau definitely does um, take plays off for for, for play took plays off in Oregon and Hutchinson is just full nonstop going this game. So just wanted to throw throw those out there. All right, Jose, thanks for the phone call. Plus Hutchinson sings rather well too. Great He is a singer, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's he's a nice entertainer. Nice entertainer. Total package. Triple threat. Look at this. This is what is that? This all I know, Gordon, is very simple. Mahomes, he's just so good. He's so good. Well, there's a, a reason why you, there's a reason why you pay these guys all that money. And That's it. he's the, he, like we compare all the time. All right, who's the top five quarterbacks? Well, it's this mm-hmm. guy and it's this guy. Oh, this guy's in and this guy's out. Number one never changes, though. Yep. We know for sure who number one is. That's right. That's right. 
And he's going to be there for a while, I think. Mm-hmm. And we can always say, well, this guy's – he's really close. But whoever that person is that's really close, they never over. Joe Burrow's really good, but he has mm-hmm. not overtaken Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen's good, has not overtaken Patrick Mahomes. Nobody's overtaken him. Nope, not yet. Did you see Harvey? Tony up? just dropped in the catch. That's why Harvey pass. was jumping up and down. You saw that? He's probably happy. He doesn't. Oh, the Giant fans. Oh, when when Kadarius Tony was here, they were all oh, all about it. But now that he's somewhere else, oh, he didn't want to play for us. He didn't want to do this. He didn't want to do that. Always hurt. Always hurt. Oh, he is always hurt. How's this guy <laughs> going to be when he's when he's our age, Larry? He can't he can't even get on the field now. <laughs> I know. You, have you have all these injuries when you're 23? It's amazing. It is a contact sport, though. I will it say is this. a contact sport. <laughs> it is. But I feel like he gets them from non-contact stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably wearing the wrong shoes and doing this thing wrong. That's yeah. that's normal when it's our age. Absolutely. You wear you the wrong shoes. You sleep wrong. It feels like you fell out of building. Yeah. Mahomes not happy with that drop, by the way. No. You just see the expression on his face. Not happy. Not happy. Let me have, wait like until Kadarius Tony gets to our age and he doesn't have his right pillow. Oh, he's gonna, he's gonna oh, be out. It's, it's gonna, gonna he's gonna be miserable the next day. Miserable. Miserable. This is ESPN New York tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on ninety eight point seven ESPN. I'll say this: this is not a great game for uh, Chris Jones's uh, negotiating window because no, they have against the great Lions offensive line and their their top ranked running. Uh, offense, they've not done a whole lot of either. No, they have not. They have not. But I'll say this for Detroit. They they find a ways to, uh, you know, force turnovers. Just got another one. But that, that is the great equalizer. Yeah. Just knocked them right over. Knocked the ball loose and everything. Now, are, are we going to say Ooh. that the ground caused the fumble here? Uh, we could. Because is, is he, he still had the ball until his elbow ball came down and hit the ground. Now, the reason right. why his elbow came down and hit the ground was because he was hit. Yes, he was airborne. Yes. <laughs> In a very awkward way. You realize if that was Kadarius Tony, they'd be taking him off in the stretcher. To oh, the blue, he'd, the blue tent. he'd be out until week six. <laughs> he would be. Is that, is that, is that Ronnie James? That's not Ronnie James. That's not the, the, the giant guy, right? No, He's not with the so. Chiefs now, is he? I don't think so. This is the this is the portion of the season where I'm still trying to figure yeah, out who, still who's to figure where. Out who's who. Right. Absolutely. And especially with the Chiefs that they don't have Kelsey. I'm I'm finding out all these other guys. <laughs> I mean, that's another bad look for the Lions. If the Lions end up losing this game, without Kelsey, I, I get it. Oh. You're going up against the defending Super Bowl yeah. champions. You're yes. going up against Mahomes, but they didn't have Jones and Kelsey. I know. I know. And and you're really and. To be honest, the, the interception was not on Mahomes. It was a tip. The, mm-hmm. the receiver muffed the pass, and it went up in the air, and they got the interception. So, I mean, you know, they're lucky to have seven. They're lucky. That's how they got their, their uh, 14 to tie the game up. Excuse yeah, right me. Now, so, now, right now, Don LaGreca is, is, is hating his – he's regretting all of his decisions. Tweet yeah. that! Oh, he, he's, he's He's, 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 not he's got to be beside himself. Three-point game, and this is what it looks like? Yeah. And the line's four and a half. The the next drive, the Chiefs are going to play with just nine players and see if that <laughs> if that can help the Lions. We all want the Lions to be so good. I feel like at points of this year, we're going to look back and think to ourselves, uh-huh. we thought the Lions were going to be good. They got Jared Goff. Of course they weren't going to be good. 
But they have good receivers. Well, they have one really good receiver in yeah. uh, Amal Ross St. Brown. Yeah. He's, I he's, think he's not bad. He's excellent. Uh, they have a great running game. They've not used it at all. I mean, they're down three points in the game, and they're yeah. just coming out and throwing the ball all over the field. Yeah, because Jones is not there, so they figure they can take advantage of this, you know, this Kansas City secondary, where everybody seems to think they can take advantage of. But yeah. they're not really doing much in the passing game they are either. Not. Goff, 19 of 31 for 194 yards. It's, it's okay, but the strength of their team is their, is their running game. They have like the yep. best rushing attack in football. They spent the 12th pick in the draft on Jameer Gibbs, mm-hmm. who I was desperately trying to get in my fantasy drafts and was not able to. So this is not fantasy Gordon talking to you. Right. This is upset Gordon talking. This is, it's just, it's <laughs> baffling to me why you would get, you're down three points. The strength yes. of your team is your rushing attack. Mm-hmm. If you rush the ball effectively, yeah. well, then you keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. You eat up Absolutely. clock. That's the benefit of it. That's where your good offense becomes great defense. And I think a lot of us, the, 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 those of us who are looking at the Lions as having this this big season for the first time in most of our lifetimes, mm-hmm. it's because you look at that monster offensive line and their right. rushing attack and how they can kind of control the point of, of, of contact, mm-hmm. and they've not done that so far tonight. No. Not a good night. I get it. It's the Chiefs and it's Mahomes, but not right. a great night for the, the – what is their bandwagon? The – Love the roar or so I don't know. They oh, have yeah, some sort remember. of stupid thing. <laughs> Roars or us? <laughs> I don't know. Love the roar. Oh. I don't think it's love the roar. No. It's something better than that. Yeah, I hope so. I really do for their sake. I yeah. hope it is better than that. They better, they better put that back in the defend the den. Maybe that's it. That's One catchy, pride? I don't least. know. That's catchy. Defend yeah. the den is at least catchy. Yeah, they better start. They better start getting some stops on third down here. Otherwise, the mottos are not going to help. No, no, and uh, it's going to be one of those. Well, if we if we would have just stopped Mahomes here, if we would just stop Mahomes there, or and it's also going to be like even though it's not the amount of passes, it's going to be like uh, a a Jet offensive coordinator press conference. Well, as I look back at all the passes, we should have ran the ball more. (laughs) Right, (laughs) I feel sick. We didn't run the ball more. Right, David Montgomery's run ran the ball ten times in the game. Now he he has thirty three yards, so it's not. I'm not telling you that he's done a great job, mm-hmm. but you got to stick with it. You can't yeah. abandon it. If you're right. if, if part of your the main part of your identity is rushing the football, you got to stick with it. And do, Jameer it. Gibbs has five uh, five carries on the night. No, it's not going to get it done. Twelfth pick in the draft, he's got five carries and two catches. Show me something. You got to show me something. Yeah. Stop eating kneecaps and run the football. Would you please? Please. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. It's ESPN New York Tonight on 98.7 ESPN. I tell you, Gordon, uh, Travis Kelsey needs to renegotiate his contract. (laughs) Right now. Back. <laughs> oh, I'm that surprised last play, that the I mean, Chiefs are going for the field goal here. It's yes. fourth and two. Mm-hmm. You're at what, like the 20? Yes. The 18? So. Somewhere around there? I'm a little surprised. You can't get two yards because you kicked the field goal. You still lose on a touchdown. That's right. Well, he now, figures it's not be like back. the Lions have a whole bunch of touchdowns. It's not like they're throwing a bunch of touchdowns on the pile yeah. tonight, but I'm just saying. You're right. He figures it will be back. That's what he's thinking. 
And one of the touchdowns they got was a, was a turnover. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. I tell you, Mahomes, I mean, by his foot, you just, you know. I had a flashback. I thought I was watching uh, quarterback on, on Netflix mm, with the yeah. ankle. <laughs> so, uh-oh. I don't know how this is going to turn out. Gordon, you know, from time to time, my friends over at uh, Bet Online send me different things that we'd like to chat about and the audience right. likes to hear about. So this is an interesting one. This is an intriguing one for me. Okay. Uh, the, NF- the NFL win totals opened on March 26th, Gordon. Yes. It's a big day uh, in the Damer household. I, I know. So since then, eight teams' win totals went up, mm-hmm. and seven teams' win totals went down. But, Gordon, the NFC East is the only division that had every team's win total change. Everybody's win total changed in the NFC East. So Now, are we to believe that these changed based on better activity, like how people bet things and that made the numbers change? Or is this based on, 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 on changes to the team in terms of personnel from, from whenever that was, March 23rd? Um. It does not say. Does not say. It just says okay. that it's changed. All right. All right. So uh, let's start with the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I will tell you that. Um, what do you think? They went till the went up or down? What do you think? Uh, did it go up or down? I get. It feels like not a lot of people believe in them, so I'll say it went. Well, what what did it open at? It opened at nine and a half. I would say it went up. Yeah, can't be lower than half. nine and a half. Okay, yep. it matched. Although it doesn't feel like there's a lot of confidence in the Cowboys outside of Cowboy maniacs. Yeah, well, you know, they they support their team. I'll say that. <laughs> they travel. They they're invested. They are invested. They are invested. Yeah, by the way, the team doesn't support them nearly as well as they support the team. No, they don't. Not a lot. Not a love no. back. Not a lot of love back in that. That's a toxic relationship. One way. Call that. Yeah, one very way one way. There's a street named after the Cowboys. <laughs> one way. My father used to tell me. Gordon, there's a street named after you. It's called One Way. <laughs> 2022, the opening win total was 10.5 for the Cowboys. Gordon, they finished the season with 12 wins, though. Right. They, I, I would say they have to finish the season. Over ten and a half. I mean, no they have to be competing for the NFC East this yes. year, and I would think if you're competing for a division title, I think you have to at least get eleven wins. I agree. I agree. The Philadelphia Eagles, Gordon, their original line season win total was ten and a half. Do you think it went up or down? Oh, this is like card sharks. I'm going to go higher, higher. Eleven and a half now. Yeah. 11 and a half. What did they do? They lost coordinators and they went up. Well, I know they, they feel like losing that defensive coordinator was a, it was a plus. And since I've heard that guy Gannon out there in, in Arizona, mm-hmm. that was addition by subtraction just by <laughs> the possibility he might have been able to give a speech or something. Shroom, 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 shroom. I think the guy's on shroom, 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 shrooms. <laughs> he might be. That he would explain be. a lot. That, that, would, really that, would. Would, that would go a long way to explaining a lot. The Washington Commanders, Gordon, they opened at seven and a half wins. Mm -hmm. It's changed. Is it higher or lower? I'm going to say all. I think that one's also higher. It's lower. Really? Six and a half. Yeah. 
Yep, went down to six and a half. Wow. Their opening total was eight last year, and they finished with eight wins. Had a tie in there as well. It feels the like they're New kind York- of on the, on the verge of a new direction with, with Snyder yes. being out. Now, it doesn't feel great because it, there's been problems with the coordinator and the, mm-hmm. the head coach. It seems a little messy there. and The quarterback yeah. situation is not exactly settled, but uh, I definitely think they could win more than six and a half games this year. You know, you know what's fascinating about them, Gordon? I think if they get off to a slow start, uh, they might jettison themselves from their head coach. Yes, they could. I think they he could. was only there because they needed somebody to have mm-hmm. some transition. Mm-hmm. And so if they get off to a slow start, uh, Eric Bieniemy could be a head coach there. Wouldn't it be weird if this is the year where the Giants beat the Cowboys, beat the Eagles at least once, and then get swept by Washington? <laughs> it would be weird. Well, that would be weird. That never It would happens. be weird. It really would be. Speaking of the Giants, Gordon, they opened the season at eight and a half wins. This was March. They opened mm-hmm. at eight and a half wins. It has now changed. Is it higher or lower? I think it might be a little lower. Seven and a half. Yeah, I can't see them being nine and a half. That's too high for the Giants. Seven and a half. Harvey, is a seven and ten season? If it's seven and ten, oh my gosh. because of the schedule, how are you feeling? Oh, I'd be upset. You can't follow up right. a nine, seven and one season, coach of the year season, quarterback gets paid, coordinators keep up. Upgrade your weapons and go with seven and ten. Schedule's tougher. Aren't see, you? see how smug he is. Seven and ten. <laughs> again, that, so beneath me. Oh, seven and ten, Larry. You think you turn know, up guy. my nose at seven and ten? I'm a giant fan. We won nine games last year, and now we're expected to win eleven games this year. That's just how it works when you're a Giants fan. Very smug. We play each other, right, Gordon? This year? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Oh, I can't AFC wait. East, NFC East. I yeah. can see it now. By that time, uh, uh, Tua will be on his third concussion by that point. So <laughs> it's deep in the I season. Hope not. Uh, I hope not. I hope not either. I know you I hope do. for his sake, because I don't yeah. know if he could. He, I don't think he could withstand another couple. No, I don't think he could either. I really don't. But let me ask you this: Let yes. they put this on the on the K show. Don brought this up. I think mm-hmm. it was yesterday. If the Giants take a step back in terms of wins and losses, don't make the playoffs. I'm not going to give you a win total, but mm-hmm. they don't make the playoffs this year. But Daniel Jones throws for four thousand yards and twenty eight touchdowns. And, and the interceptions stay in line with where they were last year. How would you feel? How would, would you, you feel, take Harvey? that? It, what's more important, that the quarterback takes the step forward where you know for sure he's your guy? Or is it more important to make the playoffs and say Jones has a, has a similar year to last year where he throws like 15 touchdowns, but it's nothing off the charts? Oh, no, I, I want the playoffs. Okay. I mean, the deal for Jones is currently just at two years, so he'd have another year of questions and to prove himself again. So no, I want, I want the, um, I want the playoffs over, over whatever. By the way, how would that even? What would that even look like? What do you mean? How would that? It would look like last year. I'm trying to figure out what the hell happened with the with the defense because of he threw for four thousand yards. And, and well, they're down in close. a lot. You're right. They're down in a lot yeah. of games. The bounces exactly. that went their way last year yep. don't go, go their way this year, and they finish say eight and nine. Yeah, but out of the playoffs. But out of the playoffs, Be- which is bad because it's the East. It it's is the, it's, in the know, NFC. In the NFC, I mean that that's I, bad. Look, I, I wouldn't if I'm putting myself in the smug giant fan's shoes. <laughs> I wouldn't want to miss the playoffs. 
But it kind of feels like the goal for the Giants eventually is to win a Super Bowl, right? Mm -hmm. They're not one of these organizations that has not tasted success. They've tasted the ultimate success. Yes. So the goal is to get back there. And it's very hard to envision you winning another Super Bowl with Daniel Jones if Daniel Jones is not going to at some point take that massive step forward. It almost feels like, yeah, you're going to be one of those teams that makes the playoffs. Maybe you won a playoff game, but you're not really going. You're not really a contender unless the quarterback Mm -hmm is one of the big-time quarterbacks. If, it's, if, if I were a Giant fan and, it's, and we're 8-9 and nine and we're in, we're in games, but it didn't turn out that way for us, like a, we lose on field goals or something mm-hmm. of that nature, mm-hmm. it, it would hurt because I, I was in the playoffs last year. But I would feel better that I think I have my quarterback at least. And then while he has next year, Harvey, now I can look to sign him and lock him in. Because now I'm thinking, okay, I got my guy. And then you'd have your coach, you'd have your GM, and you have your quarterback. And that's that goes a want. long way to getting everything lined up. Then, then, then it's about putting the other pieces together. Yeah. Then you're Kansas City. You got a coach, a quarterback. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're in good yeah. shape. And all of a sudden, $40 million is a bargain. Look so bad. It won't look like a bargain. Yeah. It's almost a bargain now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's down to the middle of the pack now, Gordon. Just that's, after that's a year. just the going rate. Yeah, the, the, the numbers are just going to keep going up. That's right.